Isn't there just a lovely sense of him here this evening? Such a gift to lead us in worship. The team have, Gary has, has to read that. And I was conscious that there was more. I was conscious we weren't ready. There was more to move into. Conscious that the Lord wanted to do more before we brought the word. Turn with me again to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18. Now, this is part five of this, and it should be the final part. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Part 5. Verse 1. Matthew 18. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Let's stop there. Keep your Bibles open. Father, you never cease to amaze us. You never cease to astonish us and to astound us. Father, even as we are gathered together, we know that you have tranquilized our hearts before you. You have just caused us to experience your beauty and your love which is found in your Son, the Lord Jesus. And Father, we thank you for the wonderful sense of your Spirit in our meeting and gathering together. Lord, even as we have sang, take my heart and make it yours. Have your way in me. We pray, Lord, that that would be the very cry of every heart tonight. And of every heart that comes under the sound of this word. And help us, Lord, tonight to see the beauty of our God. The beauty of his Son. Father, we ask you to settle us in your presence, Lord, that we would be able to hear and receive with anointed ears and hearts the engrafted word which is able to save the soul. We worship you and adore you and we tell you there's no one like you. So tonight, Father, we pray that you would again glorify yourself, glorify your Son, And let your spirit have free course in this meeting, in all of our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now we've had quite a bit of uh, teaching, preaching on this. But let me just start as I've started once or twice throughout this series. About the question that John Bunyan was asked the writer of Pilgrim's Progress. He was asked a question about heaven 
And when he searched the scriptures, he couldn't find the answers in the word of God. So he came to the inquirer. This was his answer. He simply turned and said, live a holy life and go and see. Live a holy life and go and see. Now John Bunyan knew Christ. Let's put that out there first of all. He knew him as his Lord and Savior, his own personal Lord and Savior. And what he's saying to this inquirer is, know Christ and live a holy life for him. Serve him, in other words, and go and see. Find out about the riches. Find out about the wonders. Find out about the glories and the treasures that's laid up in store for you. Find out. Go and see for yourself. I trust tonight that all of us know the Lord Jesus as our own personal saviour and we will find out and go and see ourselves. We have covered so much uh, area, I can't even do much, really a recap on it. But we have looked at service for the kingdom. Not working to be saved, we're saved by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God and not of works, lest any man should boast. But we have looked at living right. We have looked at serving Christ. We have looked at the kingdom coming to earth. We have looked at the changing of the bodies, the raising of the dead in Christ. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. To return and rule and reign with him with glorified bodies, no pain, no suffering, no death, and so on. Can't go through it all, folks, For if you haven't been here. But, but that's what we have covered over four weeks. And we have looked at how the Lord told parables of a man who gave ten servants a pound each, and they traded with them, and one gathers another ten, and he's given to rule over ten cities, and five, and so on. And the one with one, it was taken from him and given to the one with ten. It wasn't for his salvation, mark that. It was working because we love him, serving because we love him. It was, in other words, where God has placed you, planted you, put within you gifts, talents, whether he has given you the gift for playing or singing or IT or for sound or for children's work, youth work, for preaching, for evangelism, for door to door, for out in the homeless, whatever it may be. It is to do it as unto the Lord with all our might and to be faithful in all matters and all times. Prayer warrior, writing a letter of comfort. Maybe that's your ministry. And you know that's of God, then do it with all your heart. It's all that the Lord requires of us is to be faithful. Maybe your ministry is just faithful to the house of God. We are always here at all the meetings. Then do it with all your heart. So we have looked at it and how Christ will come and we must all stand before the judgment seat or the beam seat of Christ and we will give an account and we will suffer loss or we will gain reward. Not loss of salvation now, but we will gain, loss, gain or suffer loss of our reward. So we need to look at those things and say, where am I in the kingdom of God? It's not a matter of everyone floating away and we're all going to be in a big song of a course forever and ever. It's about service in the kingdom. And after millennial kingdom, we move into then eternal kingdom. We move into the eternal reign of Almighty God and a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness when all else is put behind and cast into the lake of fire. And that is those who do not know Christ and whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. And you'll read that in Revelation chapter 20.
Then comes the eternal kingdom after that. Hope that makes a little bit of sense for some, a little recap. Move with me, please, to a lovely portion of Scripture in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 11. We will, in the Lord's will, be coming back to Matthew 18 to our reading. I want to finish there uh, before we go home this evening. Go with me to Matthew chapter 11. John the Baptist has been arrested for preaching the word of God and preaching against sin. John the Baptist had a fiery ministry. In other words, he preached. He didn't just talk, he preached. And the idea is he was like a crier in a city that was going in fire. Shouting through the streets of the city. Fire! 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 In other words, that people would hear the fire, heed the warning, and they would come out and be saved. And they came out to the wilderness to where John was. And John preached unto them, baptized them. We'll look at that in a little minute. But now he's been arrested. He's been put in prison. And he sends disciples to say unto the Lord Jesus, Art thou he that should come? Or should we look for another? Shows even the, 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 the greatest hearts for God can win at times. It shows even the chiefest hearts for God can win at times. But notice what it says in verse 7. The Lord Jesus had told him to go away and say, Tell John what you see and what you hear. And that will strengthen his heart. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith does not come by little stories and what I call candy floss sermons. Little fancy illustrations. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you go home tonight or any night and you're feeling the pinch and you're being tried and tested, it is not the little candy floss, the tickling of the ear sermons that you want to hear. It's that word of God that comes to you that you need to hear that fortifies you in the Lord and enables you to overcome and all of these things. Notice what he says here in verse 7. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitude concerning John, What went you out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind. But what went you out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment. Behold, they that were soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went you out for to see? A prophet, notice the wording here, yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Now I note this next verse. And if you will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Some things I want to point out about John the Baptist, that the master 
has told us and has said to his disciples. Notice what, first of all, the Lord says. He says, what do you think John is? Because there's a sign from him of maybe a weakness. Do you think he's like a reed that's blowing about that he's so weak? He says, or did you expect to see someone dressed in fancy clothes? Is that, that, that apparel, does that speak to you of the blessing of God? You see, the Jews always look, they're known for people to chase money, aren't they? To make money. The Jewish bankers even are making money. The big high cartel bankers. They're always known for money. And what they thought was that when someone was in opulence, when someone was in always dressed in fine raiment, then they are the children who are blessed of God. That's why the rich young ruler came to the master and says, what good thing must I do to be saved? And he, the Lord told him to take all his riches and to sell them, to take up his cross and follow him. We're told the young man went away sad because he had much riches. And the disciples were perplexed at this simply because as they looked at this young man, rich and very opulent with all of these goods and all of the money and everything that he had, they said, surely if he can't be saved, they turn to the master and they say, who then can be saved? Because his opulence, his money, surely that's the blessing of God. Now listen, I believe God blesses. And I believe God gives certain people much money to bless others. Not to live in opulence and have jumbo or six and seven jets and do what they want. I'm speaking about those who have money and know how to handle it. Certain people don't know how to handle money for they fall into worldly temptations and they use it and abuse it on their own lusts. But they look at this young man and they say, well, if he's blessed of God, who then can be saved? In other words, Jesus turns and says, with man this is impossible. In other words, his riches, that's not the blessing you need. It's the blessing in the inner man. It's the born again spirit of the man and woman you need. And Jesus says, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. In other words, he's saying, it isn't the riches to pay the way nor pave the way. It is the moving of the spirit and the blood of the lamb. So here we have the Lord saying, did you expect him because of the anointing he carried to be like a king in a palace? In other words, do you think that these, this opulence and riches should be upon John the Baptist? Surely he's not blessed of God because he's a camel hair coat on. He's a big long beard and probably full of locusts. Because he had locusts and honey. How can God bless this man? Do you see some of the men who are out there in the pubs and the clubs tonight? Some of the women who may even be selling their bodies. Do you see the down and out and the homeless land on the street? See some of those. There will come a time when God will raise them up. God will lift them from the dunghill. To set them among princes that they may inherit the throne of his glory. That's what this is about. And Jesus says he's not a weakling, but he's not, he's not covered in, in, in king's apparel. He says, is that what you're expecting? 
Notice what he says here as we read on down. Verse 9. But what what went you out for to see a prophet? He says, oh, you're going to him because he's a prophet then. Notice what Jesus says. Yeah, and I say unto you, and more than a prophet. Notice what he says about John. He is more than a prophet. Now, John the Baptist is the man who was filled with the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb. The only man filled like that to a greater extent was Christ himself, who is almighty God in flesh, who had the spirit without measure. And he's looking at this man, John, and he's saying, I want to show you something about him. I want to tell you something that I want you to listen to me, he says. Now look at John and let's examine him. What went you to see a prophet? Yea, more than a prophet. Yea, and I say unto you, more than a prophet. For this is he. Now notice, Jesus starts to say, here is an epoch of time in the history of man. An epoch of time in the history of Israel. An epoch of time in the history of salvation by grace. What do I mean? Notice what he says in verse 10. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. So if we were to wonder and look, where is it? Look, go with me to Malachi, please. The last book of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 3. I'll maybe do this like a wee study just to get you into the scriptures. Malachi chapter 3. This is where Christ is pulling us out from. Chapter 3 and verse 1. Listen to what Yahweh, Jehovah God says. Behold, I send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Now notice this. He's speaking of John the Baptist, the messenger sent before him, preparing the way of the Lord. And then he says, Whom ye shall seek, the Lord shall come, whom ye shall seek, and shall suddenly come to his temple. Notice even the messenger of the covenant. This is a covenant I spoke about last week. The covenant of Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 33. Behold, the day has come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. This is a messenger of the covenant, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we have the Lord coming. John the Baptist is preparing the way before him. And now the master is standing and saying, this is the one whom the prophet spoke of. Do you see the whole importance of the ministry of John the Baptist? Can you see why Christ looks at him and says he's more than a prophet? He's a prophet, but he had the infilling of the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb where the prophets of the Old Testament, they were born along by the word of God or by the spirit of God. He says that the spirit of God moved in him and was abiding in John the Baptist. He said, and he was even more than a prophet for he was the fulfillment of scripture. Behold, I send my messenger before thee, preparing the way of the Lord. So notice the importance of John the Baptist. I am bringing you somewhere here, and I ask you to please try to stay with me to the best of your ability. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 40. 
Isaiah chapter 40, please. Notice what the Lord has the prophet speak here. Just a few verses. Isaiah 40. Let your eye run down for time's sake, please. The first three. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain shall be and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. Notice, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Notice again here John the Baptist and his ministry. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And here we're talking about this man who comes and says, the Lord is coming. Gives the idea of a king or or, or an emperor who came and they sent out envoys. And when they sent out the envoy, they told him, look, fill in all the holes in the road. And instead of having a king go right around the mountain, they literally would have cut right through it. So he didn't have to be carried too much. They'd have taken out a hill. They'd have put a a plain road right through it. And that's the idea. John the Baptist is saying, listen, there's religion from Babylon has crept in. Listen, there's religion from the Edomites has crept into you. You're now looking at the tradition of men and throwing out the law of God. You're now looking for 613 commandments for salvation. But salvation is coming in a person called the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was the messenger and he was crying like a town crier all over the place. Repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus recognized his ministry. Jesus points him out and he says, there's no one born of a woman that is greater than John the Baptist. So, if you will, Uh, Flick over with me again, please, to Matthew chapter 11. Notice what the Lord says here. He's more than a prophet. He's, there's none like him that has risen greater than John the Baptist that has been born of a woman. Notice what he says in verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now. Now, We're talking about 2,000 years ago when Christ had said that. Notice that. From the days of the prophets till now, he says, when he was speaking. So notice the time frame. In the days from John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Now Malachi chapter 3 stops and 400 years of a gap is there. And then, of course, you have like John Hyrcanus uh, 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 and the Maccabees are all written. All uh, the wars of the, the of the Jews are, and the, the Maccabean revolt is there, and the Romans fighting against them. And of course, we, we we hear about how John Hyrcanus came, and he was a great champion for them. But that was in that four hundred years, and God had not spoken. God had not spoken unto them for four hundred years. Can you imagine if you hadn't heard the word of God for four hundred years? Imagine what state Britain would be in. Imagine what state Ireland would be in. 
Imagine what state the United States would be in. Especially our Western nations. If we had not heard the word from really from just after the Protestant Reformation until now. You see, we're salt and we're light unto the world. Stemming putrefaction and leading the way. And this is all binds up in the end times of the Elijah ministry. That's where I'm going to bring you tonight. Notice what the Lord says here. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you will receive it. This is Elias which was for to come. This was Elias. The word Elias is really Elijah the prophet. And this was Elijah that was for to come. Turn with me again to the book of Malachi, please. I know it's a bit of a Bible study, but sure, isn't it good to have a bit of a Bible study? Malachi, again, the very last chapter of the book of Malachi, and the very last two verses. Verse 5, Behold, the Lord says, Behold, I will send you, Elijah the prophet, before the coming of Of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Notice this. Before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children. And the heart of the children to their fathers. This I come and smite the earth with a curse. Here's what I want to ask you. Are we yet arrived at the day. The great and dreadful day of the Lord. Have we yet arrived at that time that we have talked about for four uh, weeks now, now we're in our fifth where Christ will return in that great day and he will catch away his saints and he will change us in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and all of our infirmities will leave us and we will return with him to rule and reign on the earth. I ask you, the judgment that is to come after the millennium, have we yet come to the great and dreadful day of the Lord? The answer is no. But yet Jesus said, Elias or Elijah, if you can receive it, has already come. What did he mean? What did he mean? Turn with me to John chapter 1. I'll tell you what, go with me first of all to Matthew 17. Matthew 17, then we'll go to John 1, just since we're flicking that way. Matthew 17 and verse, let your eye run down. Verse 10. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias or Elijah must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias or Elijah truly shall come, first come, and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias is come already. And they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. Jesus said John the Baptist was Elijah who was to come. I notice this. Stay with me. Go with me to John chapter 1 please. John chapter 1. John the Baptist is being quizzed, as it were. John chapter 1, and let your eye run down to verse number 
19. And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. He's saying, I'm not Christ. John the Baptist is saying, I am not Christ. And he's right. Verse 21, and they asked him, what then, art, what then art thou Elias or art thou Elijah? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he said, no. Now we have a problem. We have what seems like a contradiction of Holy Scripture. I mean, John the Baptist is full of the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. The one who is the greatest and greater than those who are born of a woman. One who has, who has brought into, into play an epoch of time in human history. Who has fulfilled that calling and that scripture of behold the messenger that would come before the Lord. He says, I'm not Elias or Elijah. Jesus says he is Elijah. So is he or isn't he? Is he or is he, is he not? Let scripture tell us the truth. Let scripture show us, turn with me again to Luke chapter 1, please. So simple. I've read men and they've got confused about this. So, so simple. Let the scripture interpret scripture. Luke chapter 1, please. Let your eye run down again to verse number 13. Zacharias is in the temple. The angel comes and tells him that Elizabeth, his wife, will be expecting a child. Notice what says verse 13. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him, notice, in the spirit and power of Elias, or in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. There's your answer. He is not that literal Elijah. Jesus was right and John was right. John says, I'm not literal Elijah. But Jesus says, but he is if you can receive it. In other words, if you can understand what I'm saying, if you can receive the spirit of it, he came in the spirit And the power of Elijah, in other words, the Elijah ministry through the Holy Ghost was placed upon John the Baptist. That's what it means. So where are you bringing us to? We're bringing you to where the Lord says, you know, that the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. How does that work out? This man, this man John the Baptist who was filled with the Holy Ghost, who 
brought in an epoch of time, who fulfilled scripture that was ordained for him to do so. This man who was a forerunner of Christ. This man who, who, who was likened on the, 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 great, the, the great prophet. This man who came eating locusts and honey and in the wilderness preparing the way of the Lord, making straight a path of salvation for Christ to come in and preach the kingdom of God. This man who stood at the banks of the river Jordan and saw the Lord Jesus Christ and cried, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. This man who said, He must increase and I must decrease. This same man who saw the heavens open, saw the Spirit of God come down in the form of a dove and heard a voice from heaven saying, as it rested upon the beautiful head of the Savior, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. John the Baptist heard it. And the least in the kingdom of God is greater than him. Boy, we have some, we have some digging to do. So what do they mean? It's such a simple answer. Let's look at, um, before we go there, I want you to go back to Malachi chapter 4, please. And let's read this wee verse again, just to keep it fresh in our minds. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So before Christ returns, is Elijah himself coming? The literal Elijah? Now I have quite a few godly friends who believe a literal resurrection of a, or a coming back, as it were, of a literal Elijah will happen first. I don't believe that at all. I'll tell you what I believe. I believe that those who are the overcoming body of saints in Christ, that they will receive the ministry, the spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost, which was given to John the Baptist and Elijah, before he comes, God will raise up an army. God will raise up a people. God will raise up men and raise up women who will be unashamed and unafraid to proclaim the coming of the Lord that draweth nigh. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight his path. Jesus is coming. He's going to break the clouds. There's going to be a rising up when men and women will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And even with the drawing of the Holy Ghost, they'll come to hear the word of God again in our nation. That's what's going to happen. God, the Holy Spirit, will rest upon his church and raise up a new band of men and women for his glory. I want to be in that number. I want to be one. And God's grace, I trust we all are. God is raising up men and women right now to start proclaiming the coming of the Lord. And for our nation to turn back to Almighty God, He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and their children to their fathers. In other words, He'll turn us back to the old time gospel. He'll turn us back to where the Jeffreys brothers preached in the early Pentecostal movement and the Hutchesons and, 
and the Spurgeons and all the reformers and just start to go back to that instead of this airy, furry, catchy away, sort of disappearing stuff. He's going to say, listen, I'm going to infuse in men and women a gospel that will stir their hearts and turn our nation back. That's what he's going to do. I believe that and I'm waiting for it. I believe it's coming a time. So Matthew 11 and verse 11 says, Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of a woman, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding. Now notice this, notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now the word least here is the word means lesser. If you look it up in the Greek, it means lesser. He who is the lesser. And we're always taught where everyone's the same. (laughs) We're all saved by grace. But in the kingdom, he that is the lesser. If there's a lesser, then there's obviously a greater. The lesser here, if you look up, means it shows place, authority, position, administration. So how will the least in the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven be greater than John the Baptist? Well, here's the wee telltale sign that's so simple. Jesus says from the prophets until now, his time, when he was speaking. Okay, 2,000 years ago. From then until now, he says. So in that time, people were pre-cross, pre-Calvary. Old covenant. But now we are post-cross. Post-Calvary, new covenant. In other words, the idea is what John had in many ways, John also lacked in others. In other words, John the Baptist never saw the cross of Christ. Isn't that amazing? A man with such power and mentioned in the scriptures and revered by Christ. John the Baptist never saw the cross of Christ. And it's after the cross that we are placed in to Christ. And John the Baptist never saw the cross. He never knew the full revelation of the love of God. I want you Christian tonight to get the hold of that. Because when you see the cross of Christ, we see the full and complete revelation of the great heart of the love of God for us. We have seen it because we've been to the cross by faith. We have read about it and the Spirit has winged it home to our hearts that the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, hath cleansed us from all sin. John never experienced it. That's the idea of this. John may know of the holiness of God. And John may know of the justice of God and he might believe in it. But he did not know the love of God in all its fullness because he never saw the cross of Christ in Calvary. What a blessed people you are tonight. What a blessed people. And there are men and women here, the preaching of the cross 
and the dying of the Savior and the love of God in Christ manifest for us. And they hear of the blood of the Lamb that cleanses you from all your sin. And they hear of the full justification of God. And they see that Christ has done it all and borne it all. And yet they reject the lovely Lamb of God. And you've received something. You've heard something that John the Baptist missed. Isn't that amazing? Think about the depth of that. Think how important the cross is. Think of the import of it. I want you to just settle it in your hearts a moment to think that this man whom the scriptures talked about before he was born, of being filled with the Holy Ghost, this man whom the angel came and done an angel ministry with his father, this man who had his, be- his hands on the beautiful Savior, the Lord Jesus, baptized him in the river Jordan, this man who heard a voice from heaven and saw the Spirit descend in a bodily form as a dove, this man who preached like no other preacher, this man who Christ revered, he's never saw that you have seen. He's never received what you have received. When John died, he died on the account of the cross. It was accounted to him, but he never saw it. He never saw it. How much is the cross worth then, if that's what it means, when you think of the depth of what they thought of John the Baptist? Let me round this up and finish it. Thank you for your attention, folks. It's tremendous. Let's go to our reading and we'll just round this up quickly, please. Matthew chapter 18. I want to finish this and that's it over. The series is finished. For next week is a holiday weekend, so we want to just try and close it with this. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? The Lord has asked. And the Lord Jesus in Matthew 18 takes a little child and sets him in the midst of them and says in verse 3, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as a little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now let me just give you a couple of little quick brief snapshot points, a few brief snapshot points. First of all, he says, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. See the word converted, it's the word strefo. Strefo. And it means to turn, to turn oneself, or to turn one who no longer cares. Except you who do not care, turn yourself. Now we know that the Spirit draws and that's how you turn, but that's the idea of it. I think I told you this before, it used to be, I had done many open-air preaching all over the place, and strangers talking to some of the guys about it after the meeting this morning, and, and I went up to Nuts Corner where the big open-air market is, and I used to go up there quite regular and I used to preach at the gates. All the cars, there was a, a big line of cars coming in and I went there and I would have preached down at the gates and the car windows were down or people were walking in the gates and there's hundreds and hundreds of people there. I used to stand with tracks and give them out and just stand and preach. And so when they got them all going in, a certain time you've seen people were always going in and out but uh, near closing they would have went out and we used to try and get as much preaching in before we went to the meeting that night again. This is on a Sunday. Went to the meeting, went to Nuts Corner, done the preaching, stayed there all day, and then went back to our evening meeting. Remember standing outside on the exit out of, the, out of it, and 
I was giving out these tracks and, and, and cars were coming with their windows down and taking them from me, driving off. And this guy pulls up in the car with his wife and he says to me, how much is it? I said, sorry? How much is it? I says, what are you talking about? To get converted, how much is it? I said, it's absolutely free. He says, I don't believe you. I says, I tell you, it's absolutely free. He says, you tell me, conversion is free. I says, I'm telling you, conversion is free. And this guy wouldn't take it in. He wouldn't believe me. So he's talking to his wife and he's sitting, the traffic's building up and I'm standing with these tracks in my hands or like a size of a leaflet. And I'm about to hand one out to him and he says, are you saying to me that this is definitely free now? I says, yes. He says, conversion's free. I said, yes, it's free. What part of free do you not understand? It's free. So I handed him a leaflet and he th- or a tract and he threw it back at me. He says, I don't want that. I says, well, what are you asking me about conversion for? He says, that billboard behind you, I look behind you and it says, convert your car from petrol to gas. <laughs> I never seen it. He thought I was standing on that, giving his head, convert your car from petrol to gas. I never seen it, but I got a good witness with him. I says, well, it's still free. Jesus paid it all. Friend, what part of free do we not understand? It was a heavy price, but Christ has paid it. The word conversion, except a man be converted like a child. He can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's like John 3 and 3. Except the man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. The Lord Jesus said it to Nicodemus. And it's being born again. Unless we turn, we cannot enter. Secondly, and become as little children. In other words, unless we humble ourselves enough to accept that God is right and we're wrong. Fourthly and and quickly, we can make all night on those things. Fourthly and quickly, He says, whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The idea is, believe your father for what he says to you, what he says about you. When I was growing up, we nipper, as you say. I was growing up, my... I was always used to hide behind the settee, wouldn't go to bed and under the settee and used to think my dad wouldn't notice if I hid somewhere and he'd stay up all night. And he used to come and pull me out by the feet, you know. And to get me into bed when I was very young, my dad used to tell me a wee song. It was called, Jimmy the Wind will get you if you don't get into bed. <laughs> And Jimmy the Wind will get you to cover up your head, cover up your head and cover up your toes. Oh, do you know what have you ever heard of? I thought you knew that there. I thought maybe that's a Belfast one. But Jimmy the Wind will get you. You see, so I was, I was way up and into the bed. I heard about Jimmy the Wind. You know, I believe there really was a Jimmy the Wind. No, I believe my dad. Just for what he said. As a child. Do you know what it takes? It takes you and I to hear the word of God. And just take him at his word. And believe him for what he says about us. That we're sinners in need of a saviour. 
And what he says he's done for us, he sent his son to be our sin bearer. So I'll close with this. Thank you for your attention. Jesus sets a little child and he says, you need to come and believe like this little one. The least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. Post-cross, we understand what that means now. But the least in the kingdom of heaven, but who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? This is what I've written. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He who is the greatest servant of all. He who came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He who was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. He who said, Lo, I am come in the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O God, who bowed completely under the sovereign will of his Father. He who is the Lamb of Judah, yet he is the Lamb of God who sits in the midst of the throne, who is the tabernacle of God with men. He who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, which is, which was, which is to come, the Almighty. He who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the King of Israel, the King of saints, the King of glory, the Son of God and the Son of man. He is the seed of a woman, yet he's the Son of the highest. He who came very low, who now is exalted very high, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? How dare these apostles, these disciples, argue among themselves when Calvary is looming on the beautiful mind of the Saviour? I'll be the greatest. No, I'll be the greatest. And I'll be the greatest. And I'll be the greatest. There is no greatest but Christ. He is the greatest. So I finish with John Bunyan. There are many things that we don't know about heaven or the kingdom of God. There are many things we can't tell you because it's not written in scripture. But over these five weeks, I trust I've went against orthodoxy teaching that you're hearing everywhere.